The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. So how do you know if you're genuinely no longer interested in the work that you're doing and it's time to do some reimagining? Or if you're actually just burned out and literally nothing you do will excite you until you step into a place of renewal? So many of us have felt it. Completely depleted, disconnected from work we once loved. The cynicism creeps in, passion fades. You're just kind of going through the motions. Every day, you start to dread facing responsibilities that used to bring you joy. It is painfully common, yet seldom discussed and certainly not in a constructive way. We often just kind of suffer in silence, unsure what to do next. Should you walk away? Have you lost your spark for good? Is it time to turn the page on a new opportunity or is burnout at the heart of what you're feeling? And if so, what can we do about it? To delve into these questions in this week's Sparked Hot Take episode, we're in conversation with Brain Trust member Deborah Owens an executive coach and corporate trainer with 20 years of experience working with Fortune 500 companies. And she helps high potential professionals, particularly women of color, navigate workplace barriers and advocate for themselves more effectively. Deborah is also the founder of Corporate Alley Cat, a global community focused on elevating and empowering women of color in corporate settings. And through her own experience, as well as her clients, she shares the vital signs that we often miss until it's too late and really stresses the critical tools that we can use before burnout escalates. And together, we offer insights about how we can regain perspective when burnout clouds our thinking and makes it near impossible to know if we're on the wrong path or just in need of renewal. Deborah also shares important data and validating context for professionals of color, especially women, who experience layers of burden contributing to their experience in working environments, And she poses the question, could there be such a thing as compound burnout? So tune in to hear some encouraging prompts for you to consider and important reminders on how to reorient yourself towards well-being in a work world that often seems perpetually tilting toward burnout. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked. Hey, before we dive into today's show, you know, we've learned that a lot of our listeners are sort of at this moment where they're really exploring the notion of work in their lives and their next moves in their careers. And if you are in that place, we talk about the spark and the sparkotypes a lot on this show, this body of work that we've developed to help you really identify what makes you come alive and how to apply that to the world of work. We've heard from a lot of folks that they would also love some help along that journey, If you're curious, you can also find on our website a directory of certified Sparkotype advisors who know this body of work and can really help coach and guide you through it. So we'll drop a link to the show notes in that right now. And if it feels interesting to you and you just like somebody to help guide you through this next part of your career or work journey, take a look and see if somebody resonates. It might be the perfect fit to help you along this next leg of your journey. Again, that link is in the show notes now. Mm 
The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Deborah Owens, it is great to be back in conversation. Member of the Spark Brain Trust, always going deep into interesting topics. So today is one of our Spark Hot Take episodes where we choose one topic that is out there in the workplace that either enables or impedes us from doing good work and also living good lives and really deconstructing a little bit. So the topic we have today we're going to start broadly, and then we're going to narrow down the topic also. So I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you to tee this up. Jonathan, it's great to be back talking after a really wonderful summer. I think as we think about the rest of the year and going into a new year, oftentimes we, we say we want to work differently. We want to be more productive, maybe, or we want to hustle less. We don't want to spend all of our waking hours with the grind. And I think there's been an increase in this country with burnout. I actually had a burnout situation at work and I think you did too. And that is something that I've been talking with people in my community and also my one-on-one clients with over the summer. Um, I've had a number of people who have experienced burnout. And I think before we jump into it, we can talk about what is burnout. And so I'm going to share my definition of burnout. This is not the, probably the medical definition, but if I could, I had burnout and I ended up going to India to a wellness facility because in my heart of hearts, I, even though I had a lot of physical manifestations, I felt deeply that I needed some level of healing, not prescriptions, like there was something deeper that was going on with my body because it was so out of whack. And I remember the physician and he read my pulse because I'm like, I don't understand what is going on. Why aren't I getting better? What is wrong? And he says, give me your pulse. And he did it. He says, Debbie, we see a lot of sick people here. He said, this is easy. You're totally depleted. Your body is totally depleted. 
and an acupuncturist here in the States had also told me that I had what they call in Chinese medicine, a blood disease. When they feel the pulse and it's very thin, it's wiry, and they can feel other things going on. And for a very high-strung type A personality, I was like, what? Hmm. I'm totally depleted. I'll be honest, Jonathan, I didn't even know what that meant. I said, but okay, well, how do we fix it? How long does that take? Hmm. Can can we... Can you do something in, in a week? Will it take a week? How long will it take? And so he gave me a very non-traditional answer. He's like, well, it takes as long as it takes. And I was like, well, what kind of answer is that? I, I need some timelines here. Are we talking a week, two weeks, six weeks? And he also said, how long did it take you to get here to this point? Hmm. And so I, I, I define burnout is when your body mentally and physically almost shut down against your will, where you can no longer control how you're feeling. You know how we often say, and I think this is, this is something we do all the time. We did this a lot in corporate and somebody says, how are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. Even though we know we're not okay. Every fiber in our body is telling you you're not okay. So for me, what it burnout looked like is I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping, grinding teeth, hair falling out, none of the body functions working, focusing at a uber level. And I think even that intensity of focus was burning me out. And ultimately, I had to go on medical leave and I couldn't find it, but I wanted to pull up some medical work because I, I had to, to see someone and be evaluated. And it's interesting what they said in this document, this medical document. They basically said that the work habits and the way I lived that had made me successful were no longer working for my body and that I drastically needed to change how I was living and working. And since my experience, I've been very committed to trying to support others as they go through taking care of their wellness. But more importantly, and I think something that we can all do is not be a party to it. So when one of my clients whether it's one-on-one or one of my corporate clients says, oh, I'm really sick right now, but can we meet on Saturday? No, we can't. Or I've been so swamped. Oh God, I'm under the weather, but can we do something at nine o'clock at night? No, we can't. And it's not because I'm trying to be a hard ass, but I don't want to contribute to that lifestyle that I know is harming people. I actually had a client when I was in corporate, who was sending me emails, and I didn't know she was in labor until she happened to mention in, in one of the emails. She said, I'm in labor. I said, you're in labor? Email. Why, why are you sending emails? And she got back to me and says, well, there's really nothing for you to do. I mean, there's really nothing going on right now. So it's fine for me to catch up on work and all of that. And I did. I said, do not send me any more emails. I will not be a part of this because for me, I'm like, I am not going to be working with someone who's in labor. 
If they want to do that, that's fine. But something just felt so wrong about that. Exchanging emails on work projects and you're in labor, like in the hospital labor, hospital room. I So I very much want to support others so that their health does not have to be completely depleted and their body basically shuts down before they realize that, hey, I, I might be doing harm to myself and my health just has to come first. Yeah. And, and by the way, building on your definition, um, the World Health Organization actually defines this and they have sort of three criteria that they use. They say that the three things that they look at are what you describe, feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is, which I think is really interesting, um, they describe as increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job. And the third one is reduced professional efficacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting, you know, and, and you focus a lot on that first one, feelings of energy depletion and exhaustion. And, and I think, you know, a lot of us feel feel that at various different times. And then when you add in, I thought that second second element was really interesting, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or mm-hmm. cynicism related mm-hmm. to one's job. Because I think sometimes that's the one we miss. We feel the energy depletion. We feel the exhaustion. We notice at some point the, quote, reduced professional efficacy. We, we know uh, we're just not performing at our best. But that feeling of distance and then like that creeping in of negativism and cynicism, that's the thing that I think we tend to miss often. But it also is a feeling which can be so devastating from us because it, that's the feeling of like, I just, I'm, I'm completely disconnected from this experience. And like six months before you're like, I love this experience. Like I'm connected to the mission and this and that. And and then you're, you're like, you feel the exact opposite. And then it, it tips into that negativism. Like I actually really actively dislike this. And then it tips into cynicism. You know, it's like, uh, this will never work. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, circumstances like may not have changed a lot, you know, but the way that we're interacting with the work really just, it's like this progression. And oftentimes I feel like once we actually do even realize that those feelings exist, it's so far down the road that we kind of just say to ourselves, well, this is just, okay, so I feel no connection to this anymore. I'm actually like negative about it. I'm a cynic about it. Clearly, this is not for me anymore. Rather than saying, no, actually, maybe there's a lot of this that is for me, but the, there are elements of it that have tipped me into burnout and that, that there are things that I can work on or, or remedy or fix or there are ways internally that I'm interacting with the work that um, I can pull back from. There are boundaries that I can put up that I can actually do something about. And we don't realize that actually there may be a lot that's great about this that's salvageable, but we need to actually make some shifts to pull us out of burnout. And, And the other big thing is that, and you and I have talked about this over the years, it is so hard to make an intelligent decision about that moment 
when you're in this state. You know, it's just because you just can't think or see clearly. <laughs> no, and oftentimes I think other people see it before you do. Mm, that's such a great so point. the second one, when we talked about increased mental distance and the cynicism and the, the negativity, I actually think it's very much like when you're in a relationship and they say one of the worst things is you become indifferent. And I think actually people don't think others see it, but others do see it. And I think the phrasing might be a little different. So it may be Jonathan seems very disengaged. Jonathan doesn't seem to have a lot of energy around this topic. Jonathan seems like he's doing the work, period. Whatever needs to be done, he's checking the boxes. You know, you, you, you hear people say, yeah, they're checking the boxes, but they're not doing much more than that. And I actually think people sometimes see it before you do because I call it leakage. It just starts coming out of you. You, you, you can't control it in everyday conversation. Somebody may say something and then you add on a comment and it's just kind of negative. And you start to notice that this is a person like all of their comments are like, I hate the way we do this. The way this is done here is this place doesn't care about folks. And I think it's, it's okay to point out things that, that may need improving, but you may go from a person who was very solution oriented or was like, hey, you know, I don't like the way this is working. What about if we tried this? Or what about, you know, you still had some of those creative juices and that passion going to a person who just says, this sucks, period. That's it. And, and that's really all you have to give, right? And I've worked with people, and you may have too, when you, you realize that they are so disengaged that even if they bring a project, it was fine, but you may have expected more. There's something in your, your knowing that you're like, this is all they have to give. They are tapped out. Have you ever worked with somebody like that? And you're like, yeah, this and is. I've been, I've been that person also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have too. Like, you know. you know, they're just tapped out. This is, they don't have any more to give. And I think, I think people see it. And sometimes, you know, people may start asking you questions. Hey, is everything okay? How's it going? How's the workload? You know, people will say things like, you seem a little distant. You don't seem as in engaged. I noticed you were really quiet in the meeting today. Usually you have some, some ideas you're sharing. Is, is everything okay? And I think those are the beginning when people start to notice it. And of course, by the time people start to notice it, you're deep in it. Because in the beginning, we're trying to cover that, right? So when you were that person, you weren't trying to walk out, walk around like you were tapped out, right? You were trying to be your usual self. Yeah, 100%. Like you want to show up and do the work. And especially if you're in a, a super high pressure, or super high stress, high paced environment where the stakes are really high. And, you know, and I have been in those environments where they've been created by employers and I have been in those environments where I created them myself mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and they're equally devastating. Um, and I, to this day, continue to like learn that lesson of like where are the edges. But, um, 
yeah, you want to you want to feel like you're like showing up and giving your all and doing your best, especially when you really do care about the people around you and the mission and like what you're working towards. You know, I think sometimes folks feel like you know if the mission really matters to you, you know, if that that if you're down for the cause, like there's no such thing as burnout. You know, like you you have this endless well of energy and you can keep working. And it's like I think that may help you like drawn the reservoir of energy um, because you know it really matters and you care about this thing, but there is no such thing as being immune to burnout. Like even if you're like passion driven um, by the thing that you do, there, there are moments where, you know, you just tip into this space um, where it's everything starts to cascade downward. Um, And like we said, you know, oftentimes it's really hard to be objective, you know, to say like, you know, and that's why I think oftentimes the, the reaction is, I guess this thing isn't right for me anymore and I, I need to walk away rather than just, no, I'm actually really burned out. I need to actually, I need to hit pause and I need to do a couple of things to take care of myself. Um, I need to rejuvenate and restore so that I'm back to a point where I can think clearly enough to understand, is this actually still for me or is it not for me? And if it is still for me, how can I step back into it in a way that's healthy and constructive? Um, I mean, this is what I, in, in the very past life as a lawyer, um, when I finally left the profession after being in a mega firm and working just like huge hours and my whole body was just crumbling and I was wildly burned out, something in me said, you are not capable of making an objective, rational decision right now. So before I actually tendered my resignation, I actually went in and I requested a leave of absence. And I took my recollection, this is a long time ago now, it's about a month, because I sensed it was going to take me about that amount of time to recover enough health and objectivity to be able to know, is this truly not for me? Or am I just so depleted and so withdrawn that I can't actually make a decision right now? And my, my decision ultimately was still to leave, but I made it from a place where I was no longer burned out when I made that decision. And, um, and I wonder sometimes, you know, like, how can we, you know, I was in a very fortunate position. I was given the ability to take a leave of absence. You know, um, this wasn't a paid thing, but I was like, okay, financially enough at the time where I could sustain that. And for folks who aren't in that state, you know, like, but you're, you are burned out. Like, how can you, what are the sort of like the micro moves that you can make to get okay enough? to realize what's going on and then um, figure out what is the most sensible decision for me now. I'm curious because I know that you've, this has been a conversation with so many of your clients over the years. What's your take on that? Moment? Well, I mean, it was a, it was a conversation I had to have with myself. Mm. Um, I was fortunate in that in our company, we had something called short-term leave. And I want to just start there because there are a lot of companies out there that offer it. Mm. The big deal is a lot of people, particularly I'm going to say this, professionals of color don't use it because there's this concept I think that many of us have around short-term leave. That's for people who are sick. So if our head's not wrapped up in gauze, if we're not limping, but if we can still get our fingers on that keyboard and get on a Zoom call, then we feel like we're okay. 
we can work. And, and, and that's when it's time to go back to this definition of it. So the first is lots of companies have programs there. So give an example. This will be for people with larger corporations, not for everybody. And I didn't even know this because I had never been in this situation. We had short-term leave. You get full pay for six months, right? So that's one option. Check on your short-term leave status, all right? The second thing is even companies that don't offer, who may not offer that, most companies have something called employee assistance programs. So you can talk to somebody. I think that's really important because sometimes you just need to talk about what's going on with you. And you may realize that it's not the job or it's not the full job to your point, but it might be elements of that job that need to change. Or maybe there's some other things going on in your life that are spilling over into work. Or maybe you have some health issues that need to be addressed that are contributing to this. Um, And maybe you just need to take a break. Maybe you've been working 80 hours a week for the last 20 years. You, you need a break and that's, that's allowed. One of the things that I didn't know when I was younger is that the way I used to work, and you can probably relate to this, I never asked myself, was this lifestyle sustainable? Mm. Like, can you do this for 30 years? And I, I think the answer is No. You cannot work 40, I mean, 60 hours a week on weekends for 30 years and not expect it to not have a, an impact on your well-being. So I would say those are two things. If you're working with a company, we have a lot of people who are now in the gig economy, right? So you may not have insurance or you may not have those extra protection for a company. The great thing is there are organizations out there, they're even hospitals who have mental health clinics and they do it on a sliding scale. So if you can pay, great. But if you can't, those resources are available. I've done this and I have a feeling that you might have done a version of this. Have you ever done like your own personal little retreat? I have, yeah. (laughs) And I, I mean, I think that's something, it doesn't have to be elaborate where you have to go to some exotic location or you have to go find the perfect spot in Montana or Joshua Tree in California. You know, it doesn't have to be that, but maybe find a way that you can give yourself some silence to really think about what's going on. You know, that could be going to a friend's house if you don't want to stay. Because sometimes change of scenery I found is helpful. Have you found change of scenery to be helpful sometimes in these scenarios? I, I found it really helpful. For me, helpful. it's huge, especially um, change of scenery if it brings me closer to nature. Mm-hmm. Been a, it's a game changer for me. Um, I know there's interesting research that supports that more broadly. Mm-hmm. But I find that if I can – and. And again, it doesn't mean that you're like getting a cabin in the woods, in the mountains. Right. This can literally be, I mean, this was, I lived in New York City for 30 years. And the place that we lived was strategically chosen because it was three blocks to Central Park, which is one of the biggest green spaces in the world, especially mm-hmm. in a city. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two blocks in the other direction from the Hudson River. And mm-hmm. um, I would regularly like go into the park and go and just walk along the river and 
being outside, going from being an internal working space, going into a natural environment, even in the context of a huge city and just for 45 minutes, like that was doing that on a regular basis um, was just really important in allowing me to reset and refuel a little bit and also have, have a shift in perspective and be able to just kind of see a little bit better, more clearly what was really going on, both within me and around me. Yeah. So I would say if you can add some of that to your daily schedule, just to give yourself a mental break, whether it's walks, you know, there are days when I might have three short walks a day, I can't do a two hour walk. Or, but you know, I have a dog. So sometimes we'll, after a long call, we'll make a loop. Then a few hours later, we'll make the same loop again. The other thing that I found that's been helpful to people, and this was helpful to me at a time when I was going through a little bit of that, was tapping into maybe a hobby you have. So I remember I began painting. I'm not, you're never going to see my work in a gallery. And my husband won't even put it up in his office. But it gave me just a space to almost, it was, it was almost meditative. Yeah. So for some people that could be jewelry making, that could be woodwork, I, it could be any number of things, but something that allows your mind to be calm and peaceful and just focus without that type of distraction. And I just want to point on one of the other things, which I think is huge, which is right in front of you that you can do is let people know what's going on. Mm. I think a lot of times we don't want to talk about it because we don't think people are going to believe us. People are going to think we're faking it. If you grew up in my generation, you know, I, because I've had this, am I being lazy? Is it, is it just, am I just being lazy? Because I, I, I really feel like I can't do, I have nothing else to give, but maybe I'm just not working hard enough. Maybe I'm not pushing myself hard enough. But I would, I would say, talk to someone, church, sorority, best friend, stranger on the street who's sitting next to you at the park bench. But I would say, let people know what's going on with you, because I'm a believer in this. Eight out of 10 times, that person is going to say, I'm going through something like that right now. I've been through that. How can I help? Yeah, I think that makes a huge difference is not being super stoic about it. I do want to, before we wrap up, I do want to circle back to something that you mentioned earlier in the conversation, though, and, and, and ask you to expand on it a bit, because you mentioned the effect of burnout on professionals of color. And I know you have a perspective that's really unique, and I'd love your perspective on, on that experience and how it may be different than others. Yeah. So oftentimes when we talk about burnout, we talk about the energy, we talk about being detached from work. But when you're talking about, um, I think, professionals of color, particularly black women, because there is actual data on it. And I'm going to give you some. It's 78 percent of black women report that they sometimes rarely or never have the ability to go home at the end of the workday with any energy in reserve, coupled with the regular burnout factors we talk about. Here's additional things. 72% of Black women engage in code switching. Less than 50% of Black women believe that they can talk about race without negative consequences. And only 41% think that they can raise the issue of anti-Blackness. So you're dealing with 
all of these things, racism, sexism, ageism, bias, people are constantly pointing out how they think you are different. You know, I wear my hair natural. Jonathan, I cannot tell you today in 2023 what a stressor hair is for many black women and the comments they receive about whether their hair is professional or not. And again, it doesn't show up. Sometimes it does show up like, oh, your hair's not professional. But I've had people say like their bosses said, oh, are you going to wear your hair like that for the presentation? You know, so you're constantly dealing with these microaggressions that just burn you out. In addition to all of the other stuff, there's a higher level of scrutiny. Give you an example. Not that long ago, there was a, a black woman they were the only black women at the organization. One was had been assigned the mentor to the other. They were at a meeting and they were networking and connecting with other people. And remember, they're the only black women, um, may have been only black people in the organization, right? One of them was pulled aside and asked, why are they only interacting with each other? This is not year 2000. This is 2023. You know, I, I know that when I was in corporate, have you ever been, you know, in the hallway or maybe you're at a meeting, you might be three or four people gathered together talking. This never failed. If there are three or four black people gathered around, just, you know, talking, just colleagues, there would be someone who's a non-black person who would always say, hey, is there a meeting going on? And there's a lot of history behind that statement. But these are things you're dealing with every day. Everything from the color of your nail polish, asking crazy, inappropriate questions and having to determine, you know, multiple times a day, do I address this? Do I let it go? And having to play that out 30 minutes, you know, having to play that out in your brain 30 seconds. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, if I address this, if I don't address it, like, but... Imagine having to do that all day long. And then you add on 60 hour work week, extra level of scrutiny, barriers that other people aren't dealing with, lack of support. And these are all things that are documented. Um, and I don't know, I just learned this term the other day because I'm still grieving the loss of my father, but someone told me I was experiencing compound grief. So I don't know, is there compound burnout? where, you know, there's this level of burnout, but then you add all of that. And typically I would say by the time I realized that I was, we didn't even call it burnout back then, but by the time I realized that something was wrong, it had been going on for years, years. And there's a belief that that is just what your existence is as a black woman in corporate America. So there's burnout and then there is burnout. And there's so much research that shows that professionals of color, but black women in particular, underpaid, least supported, um, less likely to be promoted to manager, more likely than any other group to experience microaggression, bias, racism on a daily basis. And then you add all of that other stuff. And then you're worried about your kids. You know, I have a 16-year-old son. I live in a fluent area. Oh, my God, I hope he doesn't get pulled over by the cops. You know, I hope someone's not following him in the store. 
So you add all of these things. I hope someone doesn't come into our neighborhood and decides they want to shoot up people because of the color of their skin. So these are all things that are not just, oh, every now and then. These are all everyday scenarios. And then to make it even worse, because I don't remember experiencing this, but then you have a political climate that is not, that causes many people to feel unsafe in this country and even in their workplaces. And these are often, for many professionals of color, but I'll just speak as a Black woman, these are conversations we can't have. So we, we have to figure out, we end up internalizing it, but we, we, these are things we're always trying to figure out, how do I process this? And all this other stuff as well. Yeah. So it's like, it, it just, it piles on to all the other contributors. Yeah. Um, towards burnout. And it's yeah. just, it's sort of like additional things that lead to energy uh, depletion um, and to concern and to stress. Um, it's like a river rushing towards yeah. you yeah. on a daily basis. And you're just trying to, you know, keep your, keep your head above water. But I can't tell you, you know, how people have worked in environments where they, you know, they have televisions now in the workplace and, you know, where things have been on TV that have made them very uncomfortable because of the conversations that follow these things that they see on TV. And every day you have the stress of trying to decide, do I let it go? Do I address it and then deal with all of the fallout? That in itself is mentally yeah. exhausting. And you add it all together. And if you're already tipping towards burnout. Um, yeah, it just exacerbates the whole problem. Mm -hmm. And, and I think all the things that you've shared, you know, the, the, um, whether it's seeking professional help, whether it's talking to folks in your organization about short term or longer term leave, whether it is finding the support of friends, of clergy, of family, of who, whoever it may be, um, shifting your physical environment, um, these are all things, and I know, um, you know places like the Mayo Clinic add in things like uh, like uh, regular exercise and mm -hmm. focusing on sleep and you know, a lot of things that we know about. Um, but um, I think just acknowledging in the first place, like, oh, there's something going on. Um, this isn't. I'm feeling. I'm feeling these things. I'm feeling depleted and exhausted and disconnected. Like I'm feeling distance from my work and maybe even like feeling really negative about it and. And I'm I'm not showing up as my best self. It's crystal clear to me um, that these are all signals. Um, and I think the big thing we want to circle around to as we wrap up is the notion that people have different contributors to this state. Different people are going to tip into it in different ways and for different reasons. And it's important to be aware of sort of like the, the quote, symptoms of being in this state so that we can start to recognize it mm -hmm. when we're in it and then realize there are things that we can do um, when we feel it. And additionally, if we're thinking, well, we're feeling all these different things and, you know, maybe this just isn't the thing for me. You know, like maybe like it used to be the thing for me and now it's not anymore. Um, you may be right. You may not be right, mm -hmm. but this also, that may be a sign to say, okay, am I experiencing burnout? And if so, how can I create the distance needed to understand whether this is burnout speaking 
or whether this opportunity has truly changed in a way or I've grown in a way where it no longer truly is aligned so that you can make a more objective decision. So um, for those listening, if you're experiencing this, I hope this has been helpful um, and you have some ways of helping to identify what's going on and some tools to start thinking about and reach out to people. You are never alone in this experience. There are always, whether it's professional resources, whether it's the company, whether it's friends, family, whoever. Somebody said to me recently, um, it was actually in a conversation that I had on Good Life Project for somebody who was talking about um, um, how we all tend to suffer at different times. And Hmm. uh, she had a family rule and the family rule was never suffer alone. Um, Mm, I like that. that. Yeah, I think that applies. It was, um, I think that applies here as well. So, um, Thanks so much, Deborah, for your awesome input as always and wise insight. For all of our listening audience, thanks for tuning in and we will see you here again next week on Spart. Take care. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life, take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.